it doesn't feel like an advertisement. It blends into the news feeds in a way that captures attention. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. Hello, and welcome back to Perpetual Traffic, episode number 76. And on today's episode, we've got a special guest for you. A little while back, I sent Ralph and Molly a little Jing video screencast because I was excited because I just had a, one of our coaching calls with one of our coaching clients. And, and this guest, uh, his name is Chris. I'm going to introduce him here. He, uh, he actually came out last summer to my house for a, a four-person intensive that I had with three other awesome business owners that were out here. So that's how we got to know each other originally. And real recently, he was on one of our uh, small group uh, coaching calls and he was sharing some pretty cool results that he's been getting. And I think you're really going to like this stuff. What he did, he, he actually has been listening to the podcast and he took some of the, the simple strategies and made things easy to execute and implement. And then they actually got better results in the end. And we'll talk about that in, in just a second here. So Chris Maddock is the CEO of Flow Motion Agency. It's a full service agency in Ventura, California. They specialize in manufacturing tangible products, uh, video production, TV. He's got experience in, in creating infomercials, direct marketing, custom funnel buildouts. Uh, he's been in this business for 14 years, serving clients like Jack Canfield, Barnes & Noble, Amazon Studios, Master Chef, Royal Caribbean, lots of international brands like that. So he comes with a lot of experience, creative and process driven. So Chris, man, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Great to be here. And so we got Ralph, Molly, myself, all, we got all four of us today. So uh, how you guys all doing? Hello, everybody. Hello. Doing great. Awesome. We love talking this stuff. Yes. Pretty excited to, for you to share some of your specific insights that you've been getting. Really, it relates back to uh, one of our previous episodes, which we relate back to quite a bit. And it was the one with Dennis Yu, episode number 49 where we talked about the Facebook easy button. But we'll, we'll let you get into that in a second here. But why don't you give us a little background on what kind of campaigns you've been working on and have you had some pretty big wins lately? And you know how, how were things maybe a year ago, six months ago, and how are things going now? Game-changing. I think one of the major shifts for us has really been in volume of testing. Instead of focusing so much on getting the perfect video, producing the perfect video, or creative or copy, We've really been just doing a lot of testing and a lot of different content, just rolling out that content, not being so worried about failing with one particular piece or, or anything like that, just seeing how our audiences respond to it. It's been a real eye-opener just to see even some of the stuff that we you know, are ready to scrap and don't even feel like the creative is, is good enough. We're finding that people are surprising us. They're really engaged with some of that content. And some of that creative, it, it's really made a huge difference just testing a lot of creative versus coming up with a couple of really good polished pieces. It seems like the more organic we can make our content feel to blend in with the rest of it, to stand out from the noise, of course, but to do so in a way that it, it doesn't feel like an advertisement. It blends into you know the, the news feeds in a way that captures attention. That really seems like it's it's working very well for us. Uh, I love that. That's super interesting because your background is really, you, you have a lot of experience creating big production infomercials, right? So a lot of people that might've come from the big brands where they're doing a lot of branding, where there's a lot of time and money invested in getting the creative and the videos all produced and, and right, because you can't just test on you know a dollar per click, you've got to spend maybe sometimes you know mid six figures just to get things out there. So this has probably got to be a little different scenario. 
It's a very different scenario. I guess it's a lot about what you guys have talked about on the podcast is just don't be afraid to test. That has been the situation for a lot of the clients that we've been serving is we've been finding that, you know, the more we're just willing to test, that's when it really, you know, kicks in and and starts to produce results. And oftentimes it's the stuff that we don't even expect is going to grow a horn and, and start hitting relevance scores of eights, nines, and tens. That's the stuff that really makes the difference. And we're shocked and, you know, but we learn something every time. And I think that that's the biggest value for us is that we're constantly learning. You know, there's no secret formula and it's just rolling it out and seeing what people really engage with. With doing the testing, um, one of the things that we found to be really valuable is to make sure that we have sort of that hero piece in our back pocket. Let me give you a little bit of background real quick. When I was in my early teens, my first job was DJing. I was always into electronic music and production of music and and DJing in clubs. Before I even had a license, I was spinning records in 21 plus clubs to audiences of 1,200 to 2,000 people. It was a real blast. And one of the really important things that I've learned about that translates over into the Facebook world is playing to your audience. And when you're out there and, you know, you have a dance floor, if you lose your dance floor, it's really important to make sure you have that record in the crate that you can pull out and recover your dance floor. So always having that backup record and making sure that you're watching what's going on with your audience, making sure that they're engaged with what you're doing. So I had shared that analogy with my team over here, and they appreciated it because it's it's so true on Facebook as well. You know, one of the things that uh, Jennifer Sheehan talked about, and I think that Dennis, you also touched on this, was being able to really maximize the life of content, such as a blog, for example. Once that post is is published, it's done, it's finished, it's gone. And all that work that went into the blog, it lives a very limited life in most cases. What Jennifer Sheehan talked about is, you know, splintering out that content. And that's exactly what we have done. We've created a content schedule for all of our blogs for all of our clients, and we're doing the full content syndication. So what we end up doing is we end up splintering out all of our content. We create a content schedule and we roll it out into Facebook, you know, as page posts. And depending upon how well those do, sometimes, you know, it's necessary for us to go back and, you know, maybe rethink some of the splintering, depending upon how some of the previous posts are doing. Other times we might pull the plug because we're finding that our audience just really isn't that engaged with the content. And, uh, you know, we tested it and we made an attempt at optimizing it. And if it works, fantastic. We can get a lot of life out of that. And it's a good day. Other situations, maybe it doesn't work, but that's okay. We tested something new and we have that backup, that fallback piece of content that we can go to that we know that we're going to get some sort of results out of because it's very similar to creative copy that has worked before in the past. And we know that we have those solutions sort of in the bank. So that's been a really important strategy for us. And with that, coupled with the fact that we're rolling out a lot of content, gives us a lot of confidence in just creating some very consistent results for you know, a lot of the clients that we serve using this, this content syndication strategy. Okay, so that brings up a question because a lot of times people are a little bit overwhelmed. Like a minute ago, you were talking about, you know, we test a lot of things and we realize we got to just, you know, the more we test and stop worrying too much on creating the the perfect creative, right? Or the perfect video. And one I want to stress here is 
Episode number 49 with Dennis Yu. By the way, Dennis Yu manages the Facebook ads for the Golden State Warriors and, and you know has experience with companies all over the board, like Jack Daniels, Rosetta Stone, and, and, and lots of the people like that. So go back and listen to that episode. Jen Sheehan helped with the Obama campaign when he was originally elected and has also helped a conservative politician get elected over in Europe. So these are great episodes to listen to. And so I think what he's talking about here is what I love is you're not talking about building this super elaborate testing and launching it out of the gate, right? You're talking about just posting page posts, boosting those, and then that's kind of your initial testing. Absolutely. That has been the initial testing. Now, of course, we're producing those hero videos, I'll call them, those really well-produced pieces of copy and creative, you know, that we roll out. But we have a lot of education behind that, you know, and it's all based off of what's working you know, through all of the other posts that we're testing. So we're doing a little bit of both, but we're definitely far more heavier on the more, you know, simplified organic posts and just really, you know, seeking engagement. And that's the stuff that's really killing it for us. It's working exceptionally well. You know, one of the things I love about the stuff that you're doing is first off, you don't hesitate to test, especially these tests. And we're going to talk about sort of the tactical aspect of it, how you actually do it. They're very low budget. So there's very low risk. But the mindset I think is really important here is that you've got to constantly be testing. And even the stuff that doesn't work out, what can you pull out of it that's positive? So for example, if you spend $100 on a campaign, you don't get a single conversion, you know, or maybe there's, you have like utter just failure in your first time out. That's okay because that's the way that all of us first started first off. But secondly, there's got to be something positive out of it. So you figured out like one way which it didn't work and using this strategy, you can do it at a very, very low budget. But I just wanted to add that a lot of times inside the agency, like we're running a lot of traffic and Molly's running a lot of traffic too. Sometimes our mistakes, the things that we actually sort of do by mistake and and aren't specific to like an SOP, those are sometimes the best ways for us to learn other ways that work. Absolutely. It's like sometimes they're the best things and that's how we stumbled upon so many things. Absolutely. So just never give up, never stop testing and always be learning. Right. And when something doesn't work, it's the process of elimination. Totally. I would almost rather know what the audience doesn't resonate with than what they do, because actually your messaging is going to change over time as your audience changes. But if you know what doesn't work, it's worth the money. We celebrate failure here at Digital Marketer because we know that we can learn from it. And we know that knowing what an audience doesn't want is almost as important as knowing what they do want. So true. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. Yeah, without question. I love this, Chris. All this makes this perfect sense. I love what you're doing. So why don't you uh, give us a little overview of uh, what you're trying to accomplish maybe um, with one of the specific situations. And I know he's going to be talking about specifically some of the results they got with different campaign objectives, like website conversions against page post engagement, et cetera, et cetera. So stay tuned. we got some good stuff for you. There's one specific client that uh, we've been working with over the past couple of months. We went into this knowing that it would be a bit of a challenge to hit the CPA that this particular client was looking for. And we were able to do so with page posts and boosting those posts. And that's the most exciting piece. We have experienced, you know, CPAs probably half of or even greater than that using PPE versus website conversion campaigns. 
And we've really just done so incubating things through page posts and boosting those page posts. I think one of the important things for us in in sort of testing this and, and getting this strategy up and going was having a really good audience base that we could use as our testing ground for these posts. We were very careful to build an audience on this page that were in tune with the message. They were in tune with what this customer had to offer. It gave us a really good quality feel for what people were engaging with in terms of the content that we rolled out. Basically, what the process for us looks like is that we're, we're really focused, of course, on building the page likes, establishing a really good foundation for us to do our testing of posts so that when we're rolling out our daily posts, which we're doing you know, a post or two a day, we're boosting those posts to our page audience. And at this point, we started off, I think, uh, probably somewhere in the 20s, 30,000 range, uh, you know, and we've added a considerable amount of following to this page. It has served as a, a really, really good testing ground to know, you know, how people are responding to the content before we start throwing any real dollars at it. So it allows us to test very, very inexpensively. And of course, when you boost a post, you know you're using the PPE objective. So, you know, basically it's sort of like the TV or shotgun approach. It's going out to a lot of people and it really gives you a feel for how well people are engaging with that content. So based on how those posts do when we roll them out, we basically, we look at a couple of different things. We look at, you know, how did it do for reach organically? You know, how many likes did it get? Uh, You know, how's it doing on comments and shares? And, you know, we sort of have a good feel at this point for, you know, what our expectations should be for a post that's doing well. So for example, if it's, if it's only reaching, you know, less than a thousand people and, you know, we're really not getting a whole lot of uh, comments or likes or anything like that, you know, we're really not going to waste time and energy and, and a whole lot of budget on that particular post. But then we move on to the next post and we'll see that we're seeing, you know, a couple thousand people reached, you know, we're hitting 20s, 30s, 40s in comments. And, you know, there's a ton of shares. Now we know we have something. So then what we'll do is we'll throw a few dollars at it and we'll let it roll for three days and kind of get a feel for how it's doing. Um, So typically the, you know, the formula for us, it's different for every client. And, you know, a lot of it's based on what the target CPA might be for that particular client or that particular offer. In case you don't know what a CPA is, just in case you're listening right now, uh, when he says CPA, we, we mentioned it a lot as well, but that's cost per acquisition. So it might be a cost per lead. It might be a cost per webinar registration. It might be a cost per, per purchase, per sale. It might be a cost per software demo. That's what he's talking about with CPA. So, so it's, they're signing up to do something here. So typically we'll roll out our boost for about three days and we'll typically boost somewhere around two to three times our CPA, depending upon the client and what it is that we're doing. And depending upon how that performs, then we can make the decision, like if we're getting great conversion and we're hitting a really high relevance score, which is great, we want that. And we're also seeing that it's something that feels like it it potentially has some good longevity. We'll throw some more dollars at it and extend out the boost and test it a little bit longer. A lot of times we're finding that, you know, we're testing for a couple of weeks on some of these posts and we're getting conversions off of PPE at, you know, a fraction of the cost if we were to do the same thing using website conversions objective. So it's it's been a huge, huge difference for us. And I think a lot of it has to do with just getting our relevance score way up there. You know, like I said, for this particular donation audience, for example, 
you know, we're seeing sevens, eights, nines, and tens, and tens are not a rarity. You know, we're seeing them pretty frequently, which is very exciting to us. And of course, as uh, I think Dennis, you also talked about is how the relevance score exponentially has an impact on cost at the end of the day. So it's been a really big deal for us to really pay close attention to the relevance scores and, you know, really test out this content. And I think that that's one of the reasons why we're seeing some really great results with some of this type of work. So talk to us about like, what kind of content is this? Like gives, give people an idea if you're going to be testing at this at very low budgets, like how many would you do typically, like for someone who's going to try this really low cost, low risk strategy, how many would you do to start? What kind of content typically like in this niche, what really resonated best there? Maybe give the listeners a little idea as to what they might be able to do to shorten the learning curve. Absolutely. I think it goes back to uh, contributing value. So if you can roll out content that entertains somebody in some way, entertains or educates, then you're contributing value, whether it's getting people to click on a link that brings them to a blog post, or it's some sort of a post that does something as simple as puts a smile on someone's face, or just something that's entertaining, you know, engages people. Like that's the type of stuff that we found is just, it's, it's really working. What percentage of these are, are just a, a direct, hey, come do this for this price compared to just content? The majority of content that we roll out really focuses on social good and how-tos. So we're finding that we're contributing value through content that people are interested in in learning about or reading about, or they feel like they're doing something that is giving back. And they really are. And it's a really good thing. We'll do that maybe once or twice a day uh, per media channel. And then what we're doing is we're sprinkling in different CTA posts, so call to action posts that bring people you know, straight to a landing page where they could take advantage of the offer. And we're following that same recipe every single time. And it works. It totally works. We're finding that rolling out CTAs about three times a week to four times a week really seems to be the magic number for us for you know a lot of the work that we're doing. And it's not too much. We're not overreaching. We're seeing a lot of success with that particular balance of content versus calls to action. I love it. This makes perfect sense. Uh, another reason why you want to listen to this podcast. We love it when we hear stories like this that people are, are executing on on some of the cool little nuggets that we get yes. from people like you for coming on. So thanks again for coming on. Um, but so take us again. So, so the whole process, how does it work? How do you go from uh, uh, here, you know, it's, it's Sunday night and we're going to plan out some pieces of content and then we're going to boost those or not boost those or do a website conversions campaign. What do you guys do? What's the process and how do you guys keep it simple? Basically, it's a three-part process. We start with creating the foundation, which is all of the audience building that we had talked about and making sure that we have a good testing ground. And then, you know, start to roll out some different content within that testing ground to see how it performs and make some decisions on what content, you know, is really working for each of the audiences and which content we boost. And then we take it to the next step, step number two, which is more of the optimization piece. Whereas, you know, we roll out the content, we look at the reach, likes, comments, shares, and make some decisions about, you know, what makes sense to boost and how much to boost it and how long to boost it. And then really after that point, 
we are able to identify some great performing posts that are converting well, that are hitting CPA. And, you know, the next step is really how do you scale that now? So this is what we're doing sort of as the, as the third step in the process, which is really setting up targeted campaigns. And now we're able to test targeting using posts that we know work and we know convert. We know that the copy's right. We know the creative's right. And this is true for, for videos, for you know, static images. It doesn't matter what it is. We've tested it and we know it works. So that's a really good thing. Plus, we're taking the credibility of all the likes, all the comments, and all the shares with us because we're going to use those posts that we worked really hard to build that credibility with to you know, implement that in our targeted campaigns. So next, we use the best performing posts as ads, and we put those ads within ad sets that are within campaigns built to focus on specific targeting. In other words, all ad sets within any campaign have the same targeting, and we remain in control over which creative Facebook serves up. And that goes back to a lot of the content that you were talking about, Keith and Ralph, I think on uh, some of the prior episodes too, just in terms of how you structure your campaigns. Yes, you can go back and listen to some other episodes where we talked about different ways to structure ad sets, ads, creatives, and all that. We're not going to go deep into that in this episode. If you want to get into that, I would go to uh, episode 69 as well as episode 71. You can get some basic structure stuff and also some high-level Michigan method stuff. So in their case, what he's doing basically is, to simplify this for you if you're listening, is they're creating lots of posts. So initially, they might see a post that uh, gets more likes than others organically, right? Just more engagement. And they look at their numbers and look at some of their data. And then let's, let's boost this sucker. And then they boost it. And then they look at the cost per conversion. All right. So what's, how are we doing? It look, looks like this one's pretty good. Now let's take this. Let's go into the power editor now. Let's scale this out like a normal ad campaign. And they add more budget. Yeah. And, and I think what's important about looking at the social proof on a post. So we do this a lot of digital marketer. We'll post to our Facebook page and the posts that really resonate organically with our audience in terms of likes and comments and shares, we will turn those into ads. And the reason for that, especially, you know, not only because the ad is working, but also the social proof. We know if we can get social proof on a post organically, we can definitely obtain the social proof via paid ads. And the more social proof you have, the more comments, the more shares, the more likes, the higher your relevance score is going to be, which in turn will lower your cost per click, your your CPA, et cetera. So it's a great metric to look at just to, to really test the audience and how they're going to respond to the ad. So it's really using your Facebook page as, you know, a testing ground. And like he said, you can boost these posts if you're seeing something's getting a little bit of organic traction, or if you don't have any likes on your page, you can boost the post for as little as $1 a day to collect more data, which is really cool. Yep. Yep. Love it. So when we're setting up these campaigns, you know, one of the exciting things to us is the new split testing feature that Facebook has uh, rolled out. And we've been having a lot of fun with that. These posts that we're utilizing within our ads for these campaigns, we're testing with PPE, or if it's a video, we're using video views. And we're testing that against website conversions, for example. 
And depending upon the content, you know, we're seeing some mixed results. But surprisingly, what has really been sort of achieving the most results for us really is PPE. It really feels like the reach is the key here in serving up highly relevant content with all of that social proof and being able to reach just such a great number of people really seems to be working well for us. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. And I mentioned this back on episodes 67 and 68 when we talked about the three-step video ad formula. Normally, we will use website conversions as the objective, especially when we have a client that's in a more B2B space, right? targeting business owners, entrepreneurs. However, I have seen several cases, and I have some friends of mine that have huge audiences, mass consumer audiences, where if you're doing a video ad, if you boost a video, the objective is going to be video views. Kind of like when you boost an image post, it's going to be page post engagement. So with a video, uh, a video view objective is very similar to page post engagement. Facebook's going to try to get the most reach, the most views, but they're not going to, you know, probably put your ad necessarily in front of the best, you know, 10% of that audience. So it's still going to be targeted, but you're going to get more reach with the page post engagement or the video views. So in a lot of cases, the cost per conversion goes up. However, in some cases, if you have a highly engaging video or a highly engaging post, guess what happens? Because it's so engaging, the relevant score is exponentially, you're getting exponentially rewarded, like Dennis, you talked about, your cost can be so much lower that your overall cost per conversion is lower as well. It's a bigger audience, not quite as targeted as the website conversions one, but because the costs in some cases are two or three times cheaper in terms of per impression or per video view or per click, that your overall cost per conversion is lower. Like one of the uh, ads I know I looked at with you when we were on our call through GoToMeeting, the page post engagement objective was half the cost per acquisition as the website conversions objective. But this isn't the case across the board. This is very specific. This is why I just test it, you know, boost it and see how it does. Hey, Chris, so so what does your targeting look like when you start to scale or even when you start boosting these posts? Who are you showing the ads to? As far as the targeting goes, we try so many different things and, you know, just really get a feel for what works. And it's different for every client. Like some particular, you know, clients, it might make sense to do the Michigan method style, as you guys had talked about, I guess, in a prior episode. And, you know, if we have a client where we've really done the work up front, like we've created the avatar grids and the audience grids, and we've done that whole sort of setup and research part of the project then we have all of that data available to us and we can really go to town and, you know, Michigan method the whole thing out, which is really exciting, you know, for those types of clients. Other types of clients, they might be working on a smaller budget. So we didn't really do that whole research and development phase on the front end. In some cases, we're limited by budget and timing and we have to uh, hit the ground running right away. So in that case, what we'll do is we'll really tap into lookalikes and, you know, it's, it's an inexpensive, easy way to really get started in targeting. So what we'll do is we'll grab lookalikes. Like, for example, we use like uh, thank you page lookalikes or video view engagement lookalikes or people that have visited the landing pages. We'll create lookalike audiences from custom audiences we've created from that. And that's a great way. And then, you know, our goal always is to make sure that we're we're hitting enough people when we're, you know, rolling out the ads too. So a lot of the stuff that we work on, we're able to market nationally. 
So that's been really helpful in allowing us to serve it up to larger size audience. So for us, we are typically hitting about 500,000 or greater. Um, So we have a nice big pond to fish in, which I think is super productive. And again, it keeps the CPA a lot lower. So when we're having to work with clients or campaigns that we have a a much smaller audience to speak to, obviously, uh, you know, the price can go up. So we really try to make sure that we're targeting somewhere in the range of, you know, 500,000 to a couple million. One of the more recent things that we've been testing, and we've been getting some really interesting results out of this, is creating Axiom custom segments. And basically what that means is that let's just say that you have a custom audience and it's a custom audience of all the people that have hit your thank you page. And hopefully it's a it's a pretty good size audience because I believe you do need, you know, a fairly decent size chunk of data to kind of look at. So then what you do is you bring that into audience insights and you can have a look at, you know, sort of the DNA of that audience. Well, once you sort of discover what that looks like, there's a link within audience insights that will bring you to the Axiom website. And they actually have a form that you could fill out there and you can put in a request to have Axiom actually create custom segments that they then load into your ads manager, which is really exciting. So when you go into detailed targeting, after Axiom loads those in, those custom segments, you'll find that you have those custom segments that you can use as your targeting. And the exciting thing about that is that they've done some of the work for you, and it's all based off of sort of the DNA that you've pulled from Audience Insights off of real conversions to your page. And we found that we've been able to actually open the door to a slightly different group of people by tapping into some of these custom segments that Axiom is uh, is loading into our ads manager for us. So definitely worth a test and you know something that so far we're finding productive and we're excited about. This is really, really cool. This is something that where you, you used to be able to sort of do this if you had a like a partner manager or a rep and they could put they could put a request in and they could create some custom ones. But now Facebook has made this available for anybody if you go into Audience Insights. And we'll add a screenshot to the show notes at digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast, episode number 76. Well, it's inside Audience Insights towards uh, towards the middle bottom a little bit, uh, right under kind of lifestyle there. And you'll, you'll see a small link that says request audiences here from Axiom Data Guru. And like you said, you can request whatever you want and they'll build your own audience. And this is based off offline data. Remember, this is, this is data they're getting from people's grocery shopping rewards programs, frequent flyer miles, you know, home mortgage data, all this big data that they're sending to Facebook because they're now partners with Facebook, one of the original partner categories. And so, uh, like I said, we'll send a screenshot in there. This is pretty cool, but I like how you're taking your initial custom audiences and kind of using that inside Audience Insights to, to gather the, the critical you know, d- data or DNA, like you called it, about your conversions. And then you're, you're, you're building that. But you could build it any way you want, right? Or you could put it any type of request you want in. Yeah, you can absolutely do that. And the best thing about it, I think, that's important to note, because I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, how much does it cost? It's free and it's fast. For us, we're finding that we're getting, you know, 24-hour turns on these custom segments. So I don't know how long that will last for, hopefully for a very long time. But yeah, it's fantastic. This is 
is great stuff, Chris. Thanks again for sharing all this. Uh, I hope you're taking lots of notes. And like I said, hit the show notes for any screenshots or anything else that we referenced today. But what I love about this is, is he's using the Facebook easy button, like, De- like we called it, or Dennis, you called it on uh, episode 49, to kind of start the whole process. Just get some posts out there. Maybe it's a video. Maybe it's a long copy. Maybe it's a short copy. Uh, it doesn't matter create, you know, create content, create goodwill, have calls to action in your posts and, uh, you know, start to boost them dollar a day, whatever it is, $50 boost them. The ones that, you know, get the most uh, initial results, you're going to be able to tell, you're going to be able to tell which ones get more likes, which ones don't, which ones are generating leads. That's going to be, it's not going to, it's going to be pretty straightforward for you. And then, Hey, this one looks good. Let's scale the sucker out. Let's go into the power editor and uh, create a more uh, organized, structured campaign with lots of different audiences. And then let's tap, let's use our lookalike audiences. Let's use our interest audiences. Let's use our new kind of axiom audiences we're creating. So the strategy here is very similar to everything that we're talking about. What I love about this is you can just take action and get momentum. It's all about getting momentum, boost that post, get some action. The more social proof you have, uh, the better. You're building your assets, you're building your fan base, you're building your leads. And, and you're generating more customers. So uh, good stuff here, Chris. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, Chris. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Where can people find out more about you, Chris? Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, Keith. I think um, the best place for people to check us out is at uh, flowmotionagency.com. That's F-L-O-W, motionagency.com. Perfect, perfect. Good stuff, uh, good stuff. Guys, until next time, uh, if this was helpful, if you're enjoying this podcast, by the way, we, you know we love doing it. This is our favorite part of the week. If you enjoy this podcast, uh, go to iTunes. Uh, go to iTunes and give us an honest review. We love the feedback. The more honest feedback you give helps us, and it also helps get the show out to more people. So I uh, hope you're having a great holidays as we head into the holiday season, and uh, we will talk to you all soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody. See ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic with Keith Krantz, Molly Pittman, and Ralph Burns. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.